Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, Brent, how's it going? It's going super, Alan. I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's so much going on. One, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Two, uh, first ever live stream of an A-B testing podcast, something I think we should do much more often. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Alan and the three for for the spontaneous change. There was a suggestion less than 10 minutes ago on you guys uh, or, or something like some other podcast live streams and edits. And I thought, and in that 10 minutes, I thought, oh, there's an idea. We're going to try this. So, uh, yeah, we're doing it. And pandemic and, oh, I was thinking just a minute ago that I like, I'd like to think that there are people who discover our podcast and just binge our episodes one after the other and are going to be sad that we don't have a guest this time. We've had guests like the last three, two? No, for, for, no, I think it's, I think it's just fine. Yeah, um, but, but because we're live streaming, everyone's our guest. Be our guest, be. <laughs> See, normally I edit the singing out, but uh, now it's all here for free. So, uh, well, right. So, <laughs> is this is this part of it? Is this now like a new form strategy to to edit out nothing? I mean, thank God I actually wore clothes today. I, I'm not wearing <laughs> pants, but so here's the. Also, something interesting. Uh, because we've had guests, we haven't had to come up with our agendas for a while. And because we don't have a guest and we're not used to this and we don't have a whiteboard, I don't know that we have an agenda. So this should be fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I think, I mean, the guest thing certainly reduced the tax on us, right? It, uh, now we Now we were able to be more efficient. We don't have to, you know, it's agile, right? Uh, as the principal say, we we favor communication over documentation. So there's one, you know, five minutes of documentation work now eliminated. I'm lying here a little bit because I did post a couple things in our one of the three Slack that I thought we could talk about today. No, no, I want to talk about I think the same one that you're thinking of. And it's uh, how to take over the world via the PM org. Well, it's not really a PM org, but I should talk about none of this is official and I don't know who at Unity listens to my podcast, but I can talk about this abstractly and say that uh, due to some org changes, I am going to end up, well, I should probably talk about background. So many of you know me as the hardcore software tester, Alan Page, the person who wrote how we test software at Microsoft. You do know me as that, but you know I have since moved on from that. Because unlike some people in the testing world, I do not live in the past. I try and live in the present moment and look towards the future. That is a <laughs> that is about as passive of a dig as I can make on some folks. But Brent got the joke. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. The three got it for sure. <laughs> so one thing, and let me just say this. When I began running infrastructure and DevOps orgs, I thought, wow, I have never had so much more control over quality as I do running a DevOps org and helping the team accelerate the achievement of quality. So that's all good. 
And then when I started doing air quote, oh, I can do it. We're live. I can do air quotes. Air, air quote. quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I can like do show and tell a, now. A whole new world is opening <laughs> up. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a cool book I got. No. Uh. You know, they, also, the cool thing is we're going to have to make a live stream channel if we keep this up mm. because then people can ask us questions during the podcast i should look at the live stream and see if there are questions there oh my gosh so many things to do i was in the middle of a story so i devops lots of control over quality uh when i joined this role in my current org i began uh doing program management well i can't say i've ever done program management when i took the role when i was talking to my current boss about the role he asked hey can you do program management and Every time in my career when I've been asked if I can do something, Alan, can you code an assembly? Alan, can you do whatever? My answer is always yes. Why, yes, I can. And then I figure it out as I go. There's a, a, a sorry, I was going to do tangent inception, but I'm going to stop myself. So I spent the first chunk of my time figuring out what, not what program management was, because I could read things about that, but what my flavor on it was. And finally, after eight or nine months in the role, I told my boss, I said, I don't really know anything about program management. I'm I'm coming clean. And I said, oh, no problem. You know how to run systems and you're doing it and, th- and you do that well. And I go, oh, yes, that's a, that's a very lean and modern testing thing. I love systems thinking and that's what I do. I figure out how all the pieces fit together. So now... Uh, I say I have n- never had so much control over quality and ne- in uh, QA testing s dating for years. I have so much control over what we deliver predictability and quality and velocity running both DevOps and running systems. The, the, that's the program management part of my job. So what the change coming up for me is I'm on paper, a director of program management. We're going to change that to director of engineering because I do more engineering work than program management. But I'm still in charge of running all of our systems and making sure the pieces all fit together of, of all of our different services and, and projects in flight. Going back, this is like the longest intro ever. People, and you can't watch a live stream on one and a half speed. Sorry, folks. So, <laughs> <laughs> short story is with all that context in mind, I will be adding a few real, like I've talked to them and they're kind of textbook program managers to my org. Uh, Not Microsoft program managers, but people who manage programs of projects, uh, help the team. As far as I can tell, accelerate the achievements of quality. If any of you, I don't know if you've read this, Brent, you had no reason to, it's probably not. Johanna Rothman, who just writes book after good book after good book wrote a book called agile and lean project management which i read uh so i could understand what i was supposed to do and then pick the parts of it that i liked and did those but if i read that book and look at what the program managers who will be working for me are doing it's textbook right there i think they're going to fill in the gaps that i know i have uh they're going to learn to do things in the modern testing way but the, uh, one of the topics for today, and Brent is like, what, is Alan ever going to shut up so I can talk, is what I want to have a discussion about is how our, our mission remains the same, how, what advice, what ideas, et cetera, should we have for uh, 
these folks in my org? How do I take the most advantage of them? Blah, 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 et cetera. Okay, I'm done with the preamble. Brent, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, the first thing I was thinking, well, actually, a tangent. We'll have to figure out how we do Q&A because the stream does seem to be lagging, not by seconds, but like by minutes. Uh, again, thankful I wore clothes today. Um, so the, the fun part also is going to see, and, and probably nothing here so far is going to be edited, but for those that watch this and listen <laughs> to the podcast, they're going to go, wow, the podcast is way better than the live stream. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Back <laughs> to the topic at hand. Like the first thing. Oh, come on. This is A-B testing. We don't get back to the topic at hand just keep going oh okay uh on that front <laughs> have you noticed anything new about my background today uh you're in your wait you're that's that's not a virtual background you are in your office at microsoft i am dude um, you are so gonna get covid i am so much at a point where i don't care <laughs> As, as I think I mentioned, uh, it is having it has been having a not a non-trivial and extremely negative uh, impact on my mental health. And right now, have you ever gone on taking vacation time uh, just so that everyone would leave you alone so that you could get stuff done? Nope. Oh, well, I have. Um, Actually, I have taken, like, we had a four-day weekend for July 4th, and because uh, we get, every time Unity, there's a Monday off, we get the Friday off also. I worked both Friday and Monday. So I did. I just don't take the days off I'm given in order to catch up on stuff. The It's, it's not even on catch up. Um, for me, uh, so they, they did a survey here, and we'll get back to program management in a second. They did a survey Maybe. here at Microsoft. Maybe we would. They did a survey here at Microsoft and around impact on COVID. And turns out, sixty uh, percent of the ICs, individual contributors that responded to that, said, "Oh yeah, they are having a satisfactory work-life balance." Forty-four percent of the managers said the same thing. And I was recently in a one-on-one with with uh, my VP. And I'm like, yeah, I am so far from that 44%. I can't even see them from where I stand. And I invented a term during that conversation. And I said, work-life balance, yeah, that's, that's actually relatively easy to manage. What is completely out of whack for me is the talk-doing balance. Too much talking, not enough doing. I think the way you put that about four or five episodes was, was too much talky, not enough dewy. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yep. Uh, I am now uh, in, a, in, a, in a broader space. This is a, a recent change from my team where we're going into more and more uh, higher scope, customer oriented investigations and work. And I don't know, dude. Uh, I am having meetings with program managers I have never met before from teams I didn't even know existed 
just right after the other. So anyway, one thing that's very nice is right now, temporarily, in this entire building, I am the only one here. So I guess, yeah, you, can, I, I guess you can't catch COVID. It's, but when that second person shows up, you're screwed. Well, no. So then the other thing that's nice is the fact that I have an office. If I were in open space, then I would probably still be at home. If I leave my office, I got to put on my Darth Vader mask. But other than that, I'm safe here. Tangent after tangent. I want to talk about program managers, uh, just as a <laughs> reminder, but I'm going to the office on Monday. I'm just going for five minutes to grab all my stuff off my desk and then I'm never returning. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I actually, last week, I went home to get stuff to bring to my office. No, it, it's, it, it, this is net better. All right. So, segue back to your prior topic, right? Your manager said, hey, do you know how to manage a, a, a program management? Well, he didn't ask right? me that. He asked me, if, I mean... He just assumes I can manage program managers, but well, and the reason why is, of course, you can. Uh, well, of course, I mean, there's the, also, uh, I mean, my team is <laughs> is glue, and is glue. glue. Well, that's, I mean, it's between program management and DevOps and my quality coaches and even docs. It's like I provide the matrix org for all of the rest of the organization. Everybody else works on shipping stuff. I help them ship stuff safely and successfully. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say something snarky about program management, but I've Again, changed, my, I would, changed my mind. Based on my experience with the bastardization of the role of Microsoft, be very much welcomed. What, snarkiness? Yeah, yeah, because what program managers do at Microsoft is different than... It, it's not program management. It's just the... It's a name they've given a bunch of people doing random stuff uh, that sometimes is program management, but very often is not. Yeah, no, uh, a lot of the times, right, it, it's I mean, the snarky comment I was going to say is, is essentially, of course you can, right? A brain dead monkey could manage a program management org. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Right. And and I have been compared have compared. I have been compared to a brain dead monkey before. So that's that's on, oh, on, on by, target by me on the podcast. I'm <laughs> certain of it. <laughs> so let me let me share with you what I'm about to do. And we'll we'll see what happens in terms of the podcast. Actually, this is fascinating. So one of these buttons, right? If I hit share screen, I would theoretically be sharing screen and that would show up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm over the whole surprise of, hey, it's a video cast now. Uh, now I'm all about, oh, what new toys? You, you have seen, we're primarily a podcast, so I don't know how much I should focus this is, on this. This is special. I mean, people are going to listen to this on next week when it comes out. Who am I kidding? Everyone <laughs> everyone who downloads the podcast is already watching the live cast. But someone somewhere is going to <laughs> yeah, listen to this at some point and going, man, I'm missing out. Yeah. No, actually, we should look at the stats on the podcast download and see and see if we took a hit. Because 
if everyone's you think if, it's going to go if all from, of our listeners are watching right now, why would they download? It's going to go from three to two. <laughs> right. Oddly, there are 13 of the three watching. I think some people are logged in on multiple machines. You've seen this, right? It, it, yeah, of um, course. A million times. Well, what we are actually trying to do now is push this further. I would say right now, my organization, uh, I don't know if my mouse is coming across, but we're somewhere in between data affirmed and data driven. Let me just help take a moment here to pause and help the people who are actually listening to the podcast and not one of the three on the oh, on the yeah. lately announced live stream. So this <laughs> is the data maturity model that Brent, I think Steve Rowe came up with this, right? Uh, no, uh, this was primary, primarily mine, but Steve Rowe did add data affirmed. So the, the four yeah. levels of data oblivious when you just, you're, you're oblivious to data. Data affirmed. Uh, decisions made mostly by intuition, but you you believe and this is where a lot of teams I work with are. They only believe the data if it confirms intuition. Uh, data driven, where decisions are made by intuition and data, and then data centric, where data analysis is core to most decisions. So we've talked about this before on the podcast. Drink, uh, yep. but it's a very <laughs> nice graphic with with colors and things it's very pretty so now brent on to your uh remembering this is a podcast that happens to have a live stream and not a video cast please continue yeah that, that's that's so much of an ask for me and, and i know you're aware of that now we think about what is the well i'm thinking about what is the problem we're facing here okay so first and foremost there's a common thing within the the pm org where they will go after the whales, right? And this is because they're trying to scale, right? You have, you have, uh, in a lot of businesses, you have, you know, just a handful of customers that are bringing in the the most amount of revenue. Okay, now that most amount of revenue is not something that you can that your business would survive on if you lost everybody else. Typically, if you pull together a histogram, it'll come up. And it'll show as a as a head tail curve, and this is a situation where in order to scale, they'll focus on the head. And more often than not, you'll find that between three to five to seven times the thingies, whatever you're measuring with that histogram, are in the body and the tail than in the head. So you 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 really cannot ignore that tail. But when you have so much manual work as, re uh, as, a, as a requirement for moving needles forward, you really can't scale to go in and, you know, talk to every one of those customers. You have, you end up focusing on the, the head. So here's, it's around how do we scale? Okay. The, the second problem uh, that we're we're working through is uh, essentially confirmation bias, or or um, it's closer to what what is known as the Texas sharpshooter bias, which is essentially we see a behavior with PMs that have an intuition, and it might even be a variant of data affirmed, right? They have an intuition. And then they go and scan the data for the subset of uh, of data that proves their intuition, 
right? Are, are you familiar with the Texas sharpshooter bias? I, I am now. But oh, yes. It, it, yes. It, it, you think of it, they call it that way. You think of it as, you know, a Texan shooting at a barn. And he's got his eyes closed and hey, I can do this. Bang, 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 bang. He he shoots, shoots at the bar. Okay. And then once all of his ammunition is gone, he goes and looks at the barn and then draws the target and, and explains to everybody how look how awesome of a shot he is. That that behavior is happening. Um where we're at is trying to figure out how to use the data and convert it to benefits to the customer. I mean, that's rather generic. Um, I think everyone's trying to do that to some degree. Here is the single most interesting problem that I will be facing in the next six months. Microsoft Azure, for example, has a lot of and, and again, just as a quick reminder for everyone, Azure is like AWS or GCP. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, except Azure continuously threatens to take over AWS and no one actually talks about GCP. And as a side note, IBM has one as well. Uh, that just came out of nowhere. Oh, and there's a lot of smaller ones out there too. But anyway, I'm... I don't want to go into okay. a tangent because I'm unsure where this story is going. Now, so it's essentially my mission is essentially to guide the PMs on effective usage of data to drive better, more valuable backlogs. The thing is, my after I got get that rolling, and I've already talked with my VP, like one of the things that's going to happen as a result is it's going to force a requirement on the engineering teams to be significantly more adaptable. And that will probably create a few headaches. We in Azure, we, we have... We operate a service. Uh, we are fairly agile given our size, right? There's, there's easily 10,000 people working on Azure. The, the next thing then is going to figure out, okay, how can I remove, the, remove or significantly cut back the PM role? Right? If, if PMs get talented at using the data to, to evaluate the, the next steps and as well as more efficiently evaluate the opportunity of those next steps. That's the biggest problem is the other behavior we see is they go talk to a single customer and that customer is, is a member of what you would call the vocal minority. You'll see them executing a huge amount of engineering resources and then at the end of the day, not see the big, the big business needles move significantly, right? It's because, yeah, you just spent half of your engineering team uh, working on a one-off for three customers. Anyway. So let me, you know that Saturday Night Live skit where someone's talking about something, but not really the, the thing they think they're talking about? So let me do that with you slightly. So that's so the problem is 
is the, t- the taintedness of Microsoft a little bit here. Let me explain why. So we have, uh, you know, PM is an overloaded term. Program managers at Microsoft typically are some hybrid combination of typical program management, product management, and project management. And those are all, you know, project management is Jira shepherding. I call it that because we don't have, we just don't have project managers in our org. Our dev leads are perfectly capable of doing that themselves. But we do have product managers who are responsible for talking to the customer, defining the product, figuring out what we need to do for customers. And we can definitely help make them more data driven. And then engineering deliver on the, the development work for that. What program management does in most of the real world and in my org is one is to help the organization understand progress as a whole. This is where you helped me with some stats a while back to help me get a better idea on how to uh, the big insight there was I was trying to track velocity, but I had like hundreds of projects and Brent just without thinking about it says, well, we'll just use the week started as the as the cohort. And it's like, oh, now it's easy. I just couldn't figure out where to start. So thank you again for that to figure out what systemic problems the organization is encountering. Also to make sure and in that making sure that product managers, those who talk to the customers to find the product and delivery owners, the engineering leadership across the org are working together cohesively. And then once we identify those any problems or obstacles or agile word impediments in the way product and engineering are working, I or my soon to be had program small program management team will dive in on on those. Given that lens of program management, the way I'm running it, and I think it's more typical than the than the hybrid role at Microsoft, I tend to use my program managers uh, much like I use my quality coaches as agile coaches, uh, helping teams figure out, well, I have another tangent to go in, in there, helping teams figure out what is blocking them. Like, like I can't scale enough to attend team retros, but I'm hoping my program managers and, and quality coaches, for example, can, can attend those retros, help people figure out how to find their problems and obstacles and impediments, and then make sure they have ideas on how to improve those. Yeah, actually, as I, I'm thinking about it, I haven't thought about it until right now, but I will program managers on my team. Of course, I'll probably stick them on some of the larger, hairy projects that I I don't get enough time. They'll help me scale because often for, for that part of my role, it's just a lot of coaching, some tracking, some some metrics on things that I care about, but mostly a lot of coaching and helping people figure things out. Uh, that'll help me scale that quite a bit. So I, I, there's going to be a lot of overlap in mission between them and the people who are in sort of a quality coach consultant role on my team. So that's one way I think I can use them. Uh, one quick tangent, and I'm going to shut up for a minute, is I just did, it was stupidly easy to do. We had some questions on like, how do we get teams to not get better estimates? That's a fool's errand, but to understand, uh, actually it was, how do we get teams to do better planning? Because for me, I don't care about the estimate. I care that you actually did the right planning to, to reduce risk. And I did an experiment where I got six different teams to begin using story points 
for about six weeks, tracked some data on capacity, unplanned work, et cetera. And as expected, things were better. And, and, the, and the feedback from the team on how things went and changed was like over the top good. But all that happened was because they had to do story points and the team had to agree on assigning a number is they got better at planning. And I couldn't say I'm going to do an experiment where I track how well teams are doing on improving planning because they, that, that would be BS. But if I call it story points and then teams are super happy and they feel like they're doing better planning and, and the work shows that then all of a sudden people are excited about it, but doing more things like that to help teams become more, I don't want to say predictable, although it'll come out of it, but just help them, you know, give them more tools to stumble towards success. So anyway, that reframing, relensing, and an example there. Curious on your thoughts on that. Uh, so, a big portion of what you said uh, to me seems very uh, again an exact match to to what I'm working through. Right, I, I heard you mention that you work. You're going to put them on sort of sticky problems. Right. And, and, and smoke jumping. Yeah. It, I don't have enough coffee to follow that metaphor. So, so they're going to go in and put out a fire somewhere. So we have an org of three. It's not Azure 10,000, which I, I can look over at the listeners over here. A little ridiculous, right? So, uh, org of about <laughs> 350 engineers. And at any one time, there are right now 70, probably going to about 80 different projects in flight at once. Uh, some of those are bigger than others, and some need a little bit more corralling than I have time to scale to do. So I would love to say, hey, person A, it looks like team B delivering these five projects that all work together could use a little help f- making sure they're doing the right planning and delivery. And I want under- to understand uh, what their obstacles are, see if there's systemic problems we can fix, things like that. I can put them on projects that I just don't have time. To- I just don't have the time to scale with to right now. Uh, so you're the 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 org you're inheriting are are they closer to sort of DevOps lifesite type problems? Not a not a feature owners. It's how no. So of course I will continue to run DevOps and and docs and other stuff, other matrix okay. orgs. But program management again, going back to what I want our organization to do is is help the team understand progress, find obstacles that, to progress and, and, and velocity slash predictability and quality and find solutions for those over time. Some of those are just measuring things broadly across the org. Sometimes it's diving deep into part of the org to help them solve something, to help them solve a problem local to a smaller part of the org. Okay. But it, it's, about, it's about software. It's software delivery. Everything from... Services that we update multiple times a day to websites and SDKs. So the the reason why I asked that question is because what I didn't hear you say is anything along the lines of searching for better, more valuable opportunities. So what I hear you say is problem searching for problems and putting out the fire. Which is a bit reactive. In, yeah, in- and actually, that's a good call out. So something you're saying, uh, I think I, mean, I interrupted before you finished saying what you're saying to say there should be a more proactive aspect to this role. And I think you're right. Please continue. 
Oh, so right. I'm not going to load up the slide, but again, but the the message that I try to get across there is that the power really comes from intuition plus data. Unfortunately, as with the tech that stands today, um, data AI doesn't have the ability to to tell you doesn't have the ability to construct game changers. I can't come up with a great example at the moment. There have been times in the past, and maybe it'll slowly page load as I tell the story, but in times in the past, we look at the telemetry and the scenario we targeted and the people who are um, active users don't align. I, I shift something out and I have a particular customer segment in mind and I see that none of those customer segments are, are using the product, but there's this whole other customer segment that is, you know, sending positive feedback, actively using it. And we're like, Oh, wait a minute. We actually, we failed at building a solution for segment a but we accidentally succeeded in building a solution for segment B. And actually, given that I, I've been in one conversation where we're like, wait a minute, are we, in, are we targeting the completely wrong business? Uh, and it turns out that in, in that scenario, yes, we were. We repivoted and it's thriving. Anyway. So yeah, I, again, I do think that we're on the the, the same page. Um, so for uh, in a lot of regards, I'm just coming at it from a data science aspect. I am partnering with throughout Azure. I am partnering with. It's probably closer to ten versions of your future role, Alan. But at times it feels like thousands because they send their ICPMs to me too, and, and we're all on the same page. I. I that team brings sort of a wealth of history around customer problems, customer engagements, customer feedback. It's the, here's the great way of saying it, EQ and IQ, right? How, how do we get EQ and IQ working together towards common goals? And I will say the, the program management org is often chock full of EQ. Yes. Right. The, the other problem is they're also often chock full of ego. And I, I'm sure not, Actually, none of that, your that, employees. I, well, again, uh, you need to take your Microsoft skewed lens off there. So if you go back to the Weinberg quote, eventually it's always a people problem. Horribly yeah. paraphrased. But that's what they when I wear the program management hat, that's what I do. It's about figuring out, getting people to uh, reflect and discover what it is they're missing and make changes. I so to push back on your pushback, I don't think I'm in a bubble when I say it's a common phenomenon in the program management org that uh, several of those folks believe themselves to be the second coming of Steve Jobs. Again, those people exist in product management, not in program management. Okay, so one in, of the problems in, in, in is Microsoft. Is, yeah, no, no, no. Microsoft doesn't have a product management role. Right. Right. And so you're taking over product management? No, no, that's a whole other org. Oh. So okay. they work 
and my job is to make sure that, and actually the big biggest part of my job as a program manager hat is to make sure product and engineering are aligned and in sync. So cat I make I make sure they work together. Actually, it's I mean it could be. Luckily, it's not. It's just nudging them towards the proper reflection and figuring out the right ways to work together, the right ways to recognize dependencies, the right way to plan their work. Another example is I help them, and everybody uses the word MVP, and most of them mean different things. One of the things I do with my program (laughs) manager hat is I help, I remind them what an MVP is and what it's for. And what what is it for? (sighs) (laughs) It's to learn, it's to to give every feature you can to, to match your competitor. Because if you don't have all of your competitor's features, it's not an MVP. Well, uh, yeah. Um, uh, no. What uh, is the, the minimum thing we have to do in order to learn if we're heading in the right direction or not, or to, or to validate or invalidate our smallest hypothesis? Smallest? In general, yes. I'll, What's the I'll just smallest say amount of work we have to do to validate or invalidate our hypothesis? What's and the smallest amount the, of work we have to do to learn what we need to learn, to pivot or persevere? Right. Yes. Is it, that's, so, that's and we've a, talked about the concierge MVP here before. So sometimes it's like, let's just munge this on the back end, see if they like this. Let's put out the button. Oh, we've we even gone as far as like, don't even do the button that says coming soon. Just let the button four oh four. That's less work. If if you put, if I if I, so I will freely admit I will probably continue to struggle on what is the distinction between a product and a program management. Right. Uh, We have, we call it all program management here. I have no doubt that the, that the role is served here at Microsoft. It's just under the same mantra. So, um, however, the, if, if what you do with your team is say, look, I'm going to hold you accountable for the ROI of the engineering org. Your job is to provide the most bit, bit the, the most business value using the least amount of engineering resources as possible. And validated value. That's the point of the MVP. Like if if you ship something and I don't want to hear a bunch of pretty speeches around this is this is one negative thing that happens at Microsoft every year in May June is is all the ship announcements come out and teams have no uh, you know managers often have to differentiate uh, on BS things it, it's it, uh, it's it's an old school culture that's still to some degree persists here it is we celebrate shipping not celebrate moving the needle and that's the big thing that um, can't you celebrate both you can and you probably should um but they, in my mind, uh, should not be weighted anywhere close to the same. Yeah, and we don't load everything because I actually, uh, 
one of the things I do uh, to support my alignment of product and engineering is I have a 30-minute sync meeting each week where I go over products at risk, uh, talk about what, why delays are in place. I offer a little bit of coaching in that meeting. It's a way to celebrate our culture of transparency and what's going on uh, and a way to accelerate learning. It's all a, it's really more about building the culture and, and, and celebrating the culture uh, than a status meeting. But it, it, I use it to help create alignment. But I, I also send out notes every week. And so at the top of that, every week is projects completed. So we celebrate completion weekly. And we ship between... And these are customer impacting things. So between five and 10 things a week across the org. So we celebrate that frequently. But we also celebrate another means uh, moving the needle in a variety of different ways. Well, so it, it's it's an ends versus a means, right? Um, one of the... I have... So in the last couple of months, I have um, doubled the size of my team. And so I have a bunch of... Brand new folks uh, never worked at Microsoft before, and one of them is is very high level, and he's sort of struggling because I think he got hired into a level of, um, a band too high, uh, and and I'm like, look, he put in his connect or his review uh, as part of it. We communicate. What we're going to go after? What is our personal mission uh, in the Unity context, and what is our goal? And he's like, you know what? I am going to be really proud if, at the end of the next six months, I have built a tool, and uh, it's generating insights like crazy. Okay, and I'm like, okay, I get that. However, I need you to understand in the band that you're in, the business does not care. What they care is that you're taking on and and moving the needle. Anything else is just the means to an ends. If you are a lower level, yeah, we care because it's part of you maturing and growing and being part of this. Uh, Learning how to get things done in this particular culture. But at the band that he's in, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of those rules go out the window. Because it's already expected that you know how to do these things. Uh, you know how to build tools. You know how to, to produce software. You know how uh, I, I'm trying to get his bar set to the correct place. Likewise, like if you take your program management team, like I said, if your team is sort of the the subjective voice of the customer and the qualitative feedback. How do we close that loop? It, the, the, you need EQ and IQ to really master the scenario, says this man. Um, I don't know that there's science that validates what I just said, but it is certainly, it is a, a set of beliefs that have been baked into my experience. Uh, I I think this will be a continued... I want to move towards a wrap-up here. I think this will be a continued discussion. I I, Again, I want to get... We're about helping the team manage predictability, velocity, and quality. And we do that by aligning product and engineering and finding problems and solving those. So I want to be able to get you out of the Microsoft PM 
box and think about it's it's really much more of a agile coach and problem solver role. So, but I do want to talk about uh, coming up is if we're responsible for delivery, uh, predictability, and quality, the metrics we track, the metrics I track around that and see what you think about those because I do. I did put some metrics in place and they, they make sense to me and they're not driving the wrong behavior. So I like them. What metrics? I said I talk about them another time. That's a oh, teaser. Right. And speaking of teasers, I had a meeting just before I teased this on the uh, one of the three Slack group, which you can join. The short answer is I was trying to get someone to move someone to my org, not a PM, different, a different, different role I manage. And they... I did not agree. They did not get them to agree to move them, but I did get them to agree to let the employee make the choice, which actually is better in my experience. They're gonna they're gonna let the the person choose whether they want to stay in their current org or move to my org. So I'm actually, uh, even though we don't, I don't have an answer. It's still up in the air. I'm I'm happy with that uh, outcome. Yeah, one of the positive things that has changed here at Microsoft, if you remember back in the day, there was the no pooching rule. Yeah, that, that was gone before I left. You just call it pooching? Yeah. Poaching. Poaching. So, yeah. And now it's, yeah, you can, and I love, and this is a, uh, you know, I, I rank on Microsoft a little bit because, and uh, honestly, JW's article on why he left, it's like the the old guard are slowing down Microsoft. And and I was working for a lot of the old guard and it just drove me freaking batty towards the end. But uh, I love that HR had the cojones to on their site about management that said poaching was okay. They didn't call it poaching. So, well, what happens if all my employees leave? And <laughs> the answer is, well, you're not, a, you're not a manager anymore. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the right. It, the, that same call out on HR web. Um, says explicitly the only way to guarantee your employee stays is for you to ensure your environment is better than alternatives. Yep. That's and, it. I, and, I, and I love that. And I do too. Uh, what happens if all your employees leave? Well, Darwinism kicks in. That's what happens. Right. And net benefit to the business. CS Lavi. However, however, and one last dig before we go is there's not always a good motivation to do that because of, and although stack ranking is over, the performance review process still says if you want more money and more options, you go be the best person on a crappy team, then go join a good team where you can learn more and deliver more. Ish. That was, well... I don't know what's changed. Ish. It was 100% true three years ago. And as uh, I mentioned, the old guard is still there. But so I'll just uh, I'll just plant that seed. You can add one rebuttal and then we're going to say goodbye. Oh, we can just or, or, or was Ish the rebuttal? Wouldn't that be Look, great for a debate? Someone says, and furthermore, Article 2 states that da, 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 and you go, Ish. And mic drop. Yeah, I like I like. I like doing, you know, going back to third grade and just, you know, respond with, nah. I know you are, but what am I? Nah. 
<laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, I hope the live stream was a success. We're going to do this again next time. And if you want to see the live stream, you're going to have to go join one of the three Slack group. Uh, you can go to moderntesting.org and find a link there. And thanks the 10 or 12 of you the, of the three that watched. I hope you get a chance to see or hear the hear what it's like after I edit the scrap. Yeah, I'm I'm puzzled. Should we be thanking them or apologizing to them? Actually apologizing. Yes, we're sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're very yeah. deeply sorry. Please um, go back to watching Terminator. <laughs> yeah, or The Expanse. Um, oh, yes. The Expanse <laughs> is awesome. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, Brent. See you, you next bet. time. <laughs>